And hello to all you Foxborough faithful, and welcome to It's Your Almost Game Day and the Friday the 13th edition of Locked On Patriots, your daily home for news, notes, analysis, and the occasional opinion on your six-time Super Bowl champion, the New England Patriots. Locked On Patriots, as always, is a part of the Locked On Podcast Network. I am your host, Mike DeBate, and I cover the Patriots for FullPressCoverage.com, which is where you can always find my written work, and you can also reach out to me on Twitter at N-D-A-B-A-T-E-F-P-C, and be sure to follow the Locked On Patriots account on Twitter as well while you're at it, at L-O underscore Patriots. And yes, during my intro, I did mention that it was Friday the 13th, and while some of you listening might be superstitious, don't worry, I won't mention Camp Crystal Lake or Jason or Mrs. Voorhees. Well, it's, I guess it's too late, I just did. But don't worry about that, because I'm going to break the superstition today and welcome some good karma back to the show. And who better to do that than my predecessor making his return today to Locked On Patriots. My friend Mark Schofield is back and is going to join me in just a minute today to do a bit of Pat's Finns preview but also to talk about the legal side of the Antonio Brown situation and what could keep him off the field. And as you know, in addition to being a quarterback expert, a top-notch journalist, Mark is also a very skilled attorney. So his wisdom and counsel today is going to be a true asset to the show. So stay tuned, folks. This will be a good one. But before I welcome Mark back to the hot seat today, I just wanted to take a minute to address those of you that have been crushing it at work. That's right, I'm talking to you. Those of you who are laser-focused on beating that boss level, good for you. But that doesn't mean you shouldn't eat. And DoorDash can help you get your next meal from your favorite restaurants in minutes. DoorDash connects you to your favorite restaurants in your city. Ordering is easy. Open the DoorDash app, choose what you want to eat, and your food will be delivered to you wherever you are. There are over 340,000 restaurants in over 3,300 cities. So chances are, your favorites are on the list, and you might even find a new favorite too. With door-to-door delivery in all 50 states in Canada, order your local preferences or choose from your favorite national restaurants like Chipotle, Wendy's, Chick-fil-A, and the Cheesecake Factory. Don't worry about dinner. Let dinner come to you with DoorDash. And right now, our listeners can get $5 off of their first $15 purchase or more when you download the DoorDash app and enter promo code LOCKEDON. That's $5 off your first order when you download the DoorDash app from the App Store. Enter promo code LOCKEDON. Don't forget, that's promo code LOCKEDON for $5 off your first order from DoorDash. Today is a homecoming of sorts for my guest this morning, and he honorably occupied this very chair for more than a little, a little under, maybe a little more than two years. But one month in, I'm still trying to get this right in his honor. <laughs> but today, it's not only my honor to welcome him back for some Pat's talk, Dolphins talk, but also to get his take on the Antonio Brown situation. And I think he's going to be able to bring some valuable insight to all of you. He's an amazing journalist for platforms such as Inside the Pylon, Big Blue View, and Pat's Pulpit of SB Nation, just to name a few. His new show, The Sco Show, is an amazing listen. I'm a fan. I highly recommend it. It's my honor to be joined today by my good friend, Mark Schofield. Mark, welcome back. Well, thank you so much for joining me today. 
Mike, it's great to be back with you. I do love, I continue to love what you've done with the place. It looks fantastic here. The big chair, you, you've done some tweaks to it. It looks great. The show's been fantastic. Been loved listening to it. You've had some great shows, some great guests, but it's great to be back with you, and I've been looking forward to this one. Excellent, and I have as well. And thank you very much for the compliments on the place. You know, I'm still settling in. It's starting to feel like home here on Locked On. I made you a promise the last time that you were on the show, which was my first show uh, here for Locked On, that the Toto poster would remain on the wall. As you can see, it's still here. It's never coming down. I bless the reins every day in your honor when I take the microphone. So uh, I'm glad that I you, do uh, appreciate you that, Mike. It's great any, to see. Anytime, anytime, my friend. And uh, again, uh, you know, my pleasure uh, to sit in this chair that you did occupy for so long uh, and so gallantly is, is really an honor in and of itself. So thank you for the compliments, and I shoot them right back to you. The stuff that you're doing has been amazing, and I'm not surprised at all, and I don't think anyone that's listened to you before would be. Uh, but as light as this lighthearted reunion should be, and, and it is in a lot of ways, but there was some serious news that developed in Foxborough this week, and I think every one of our listeners has heard by now uh, about the legal troubles of Antonio Brown. And I know you have a background in law and a background also covering this team as well, so without forcing you to delve into the real intricate complexities, if you could let our listeners know what type of legal steps and procedures does Antonio Brown face here in the coming months going forward, maybe in his career with the Patriots or possibly not. I think we'll get into that too, but what types of legal steps does he face now here? Well, it's important to sort of remember that what has been filed against him is a civil complaint. It's not a criminal action, and I think that's important to understand for a number of reasons, and I'll get into that in a little bit. But at the outset, a civil lawsuit is a lawsuit seeking damages, in this case, monetary damages. Sometimes you can sue, you know, might see injunctive relief, like say you have a dispute with your neighbor over a, a strip of land between your yards that you think is yours or he thinks is his. That sort of injunctive relief might just have a court decide whose land it actually is. But in this case, uh, his former trainer is seeking monetary damages for three incidents of alleged sexual assault. And so what he can expect over the coming months as a civil suit proceeds is first and foremost the discovery process. And the discovery process is twofold. There is first what we call sort of written discovery. That's when there will be a series of what we call interrogatories and requests for production of documents, sometimes requests for admissions of fact. And I handled, just so people understand, I was primarily a civil litigator. I handled medical malpractice, accident cases, things like that, construction defect cases, wrongful death cases. Those are the types of things that I was doing. And in these sort of written discovery phases, you could give to the other side what we call interrogatories, which are questions, written questions that they have to answer and write. And things like, where were you on such and such a date? What was this interaction with the plaintiff, i.e. Miss Taylor? Things like that. There would be requests for productions of documents, such as all documents related to your relationship with her, all documents related to her, your employment of her. And there could also be requests for admissions of fact. That's where you say to the other side, look, you have to either agree or deny with these following statements, such as you employed her. You have to agree with that. You employed her as a trainer. You would have to agree with that. So that's the first part, the sort of written discovery. Next is the sort of deposition phase, the verbal discovery process, where Antonio Brown would be brought into a conference room type scenario where he would have to sit across from this woman who has accused him of this, the plaintiff, and her attorney or attorneys, and answer questions under oath that can be used 
as evidence in the trial that can be used to support later on motions. And so the first thing he's really going to face is this sort of two-step discovery process. First, the written part, and then the deposition part. And that's going to be critical. That's the meat and potatoes of almost any civil case is this discovery process, and that's what's coming to him first. Excellent. And that is great insight. And and it kind of does lead me into my next question uh, quite nicely. And that is, I wanted to get your take on a report that broke last night by Jeremy Fowler of ESPN uh, that reps for Antonio Brown and his accuser, Brittany Taylor, were actually in discussions over the last couple of months, uh, but agreed their communication would remain confidential until the filing of Taylor's civil sexual assault lawsuit. Now, this could be why the Patriots and even the Raiders would not have known about the matter unless there was a breach in that confidentiality of those discussions. My question to you, Mark, is could this be why the Pats are taking a uh, wait-and-see approach here, as it's my understanding that players are not obligated to notify a team about a civil case. I mean, obviously, criminal cases are different, but a civil case here, that they would not be required to disclose that before signing a free agent contract. Yeah, I think that's exactly why the Patriots are sort of taking this wait-and-see approach. Because like you said, you know, civil proceedings and criminal proceedings are very different. There is a much higher burden to even initiate a criminal proceeding. You have to have a reasonable belief that a crime has taken place. Whereas a civil lawsuit, the standards for even filing a civil suit are much lower. You know, I could file a civil suit right now against you, Mike you know, alleged emotional distress or something crazy like that, I can file it and it's worth absolutely nothing, but you can still file it and you would file your appropriate motion to get it dismissed and it would be gone. But that can happen. And so the fact that representatives of Brown and representatives of Ms. Taylor were sort of in this preliminary discussion phase, you know, that doesn't mean that anything occurred. It was probably just, look, we're looking to do this and institute this suit. Are you going to have any comment? Maybe you might want to make this go away early. So that's why this league sort of takes that approach where because of the difference in standards between criminal proceedings and civil proceedings, since where you don't want to rush to judgment when the, the bar for filing a civil action or a civil complaint is so low, we're not going to institute and step in right away. Now, that being said, these allegations are serious, and if they do end up being proven true, the league and the Patriots will have to take some sort of action. But then it's important to sort of remember the different standards of proof. I talked about this a bit on my show this week. We've all watched Law & Order. We've watched courtroom dramas on the criminal right. side. We know that the sort of standard is beyond a reasonable doubt, which is basically there's no other thing that could have happened. You have to believe in your mind that the only possible answer to what happened in this, in, in this instance was the defendant committed the crime. It's much different in a civil case. When I would try a civil case, when I would make my closing argument to the jury, if I was representing the plaintiff, I would walk up in front of them and I would say, ladies and gentlemen of the jury, you've just been instructed by the judge that you have to find that the defendant in this case committed the act he or she is accused of beyond a preponderance of the evidence. Now, that's legalese. What does it actually mean? And then I would write on the whiteboard the phrase more likely than not, i.e., it's probably more likely that it did that it didn't happen. And to really nail, nail that down, I would write 51 slash 49. It's not 99% belief that it happened. It's just 51% belief. You have to think, okay, it probably happened. That's a very low standard. And ultimately, if this case does go to a trial or even throughout the proceedings, that's going to be the standard and the framework with these lawyers are working on. Is it more likely than not that these incidents did happen? It's a much lower standard, and that's what Brown is facing ultimately with regards to this lawsuit. 
Excellent. And I think in, insight in terms of exactly what he's facing and the legal ramifications, Mark, is really second to none here. And I thank you for letting not only me know, because I'm, I'm far from being a legal expert, but also everyone listening out there as to exactly what he may face. Ultimately, and I don't mean to trivialize the situation in the least, because like you said, these charges are extremely serious, and it is something that needs to be dealt with both from a moral standpoint, a character standpoint, a legal standpoint, but Patriots fans are indeed concerned about the action of what is going to happen on the field and when it comes to the team. Now, some have speculated, and you did allude to this earlier when you talked about he will need to face some sort of discipline. Some have speculated that Brown might be placed on the commissioner exempt list. Uh, some have claimed that he could be released by the team. I guess there's verbiage within his contract uh, that allows the team to nullify the incentive should he engage in any behavior that's considered detrimental to the team. If it's found that Brown is found liable for these actions, what types of contractual issues might they face if they do cut him loose? I mean, I think if it's ultimately proven in a court of law, at least under this lower civil standard that he did commit these acts, then I think the team would have both under the contractual language in the, in the player team contract under the CBA, also the commissioner in the league as well in terms of the CBA can step in and terminate the contract, you know, suspend him for an extended period of time. I think they would be well within their right to do that because it would, would sort of fall under the player conduct policy. But that is a long way away, I think, because given again that it's a civil proceeding and civil proceedings take a long time, you have a right to a speedy trial by jury and criminal proceedings. Civil cases can drag on a long time. When I was working as a lawyer, I would sometimes have cases that went on two, three, four years, sometimes longer. You know, courts get backed up, dockets get filled, things get extended, things get continued, things get rescheduled. And so the civil jury trial system is a slower moving machine. I think the league won't really step in until there's some sort of ultimate determination. If there is some sort of confidential settlement agreement, which the parties may engage in, you know, Antonio Brown might think, look, I don't want to deal with all of this. I'm going to just pay some money to make this go away and make enter into a confidential settlement agreement, I don't think the league would really step in and take any action because he wouldn't admit to any sort of guilt or any sort of findings of fact. He would just say, look, nobody's admitted to anything, but rather than spending all this time and money during the legal system and dragging out a court case, let's just make this go away. Sometimes that happens. A lot of times, civil defendants, if, you know, when I was representing doctors or nurses that were sued for malpractice, they wouldn't admit to a finding of guilt or a finding of fault, but they would just say, look, I don't want to deal with this, or their insurance carrier didn't want to deal with it. They knew that they would have to spend hundreds of thousands of dollars in terms of trying the case and defending the case, make it go away for a little bit less and save some money in the process. Sometimes that does happen, and I don't think the league would step in then either. In terms of stepping in now and putting them, say, on the commissioner's exempt list, I don't think the league will do that as well. This is, again, a civil case. When we saw the league sort of step in with, say, Ben Roethlisberger, there was an indictment. You know, and again, with an indictment, there's a higher standard that the DA would have to put forth and convince a judge of or a grand jury of to step in and say, look, we find that there is reasonable belief and reasonable suspicion that a crime was committed here. That's a bit of a higher standard. It's not the ultimate, you know, beyond a reasonable doubt, but it's still a higher standard. In that case, the league might step in because that's what they did with Roethlisberger. Until something like that happens, I don't think the league steps in. I don't think the team takes action. It could. I doubt it. The thing that might change the calculus is if the DA 
does sort of step in now and revisit this situation. There's been reported that maybe they will, maybe they won't. There was a report that they were going to, but then that was an unrelated child endangerment issue that they were looked in, looking into and determined nothing had gone on there. That might be the only thing that sort of changed the calculus in the near term. I think the only way something happens is just in the long term, this does go to a trial or some sort of finding of fact that Brown did do this, and then the league probably would step in as with the team, and they'd be within their right to do so. Once again, that familiar voice you hear belongs to my friend Mark Schofield, who joins me today to speak a bit about Antonio Brown, uh, and he has given some amazing legal insight into this situation and kind of helped to quell a lot of the questions I've had, and I hope he's done that with you as well. We will address the Pats game in Miami in just a moment, uh, but before I do, I do have a question for you. Yes, you listening out there. If you found $100 on the street, would you pick it up or would you keep walking? Of course you'd take the money. So why do you keep picking winners and not betting on them? That's why I go to my bookie. It's fast, it's easy, and they pay when you win. Let's face it, where you're betting is just as important as who you're betting on. Now, I wouldn't be telling you to bet with these guys if they weren't the best. So do the smart thing. If you're going to bet this football season, bet with my bookie. Did you know you could bet on games even after kickoff? That's right. If by the second half it looks like your bet is going to lose, you can always just take the other side. And if you're the kind of guy that likes to bet a little and win a lot, try a parlay. If all of your picks come through, you'll multiply your winnings. And no matter how you bet, the NFL season is the best time of year. So join now, and my bookie will double your first deposit. Use promo code Locked On to activate the offer. That's promo code Locked On. Visit mybookie.ag today. You play. You win, you get paid with my bookie. Once again, my guest today is Mark Schofield, and we've been talking about the legal ramifications of this situation. Mark, one just final question on Brown. Uh, the rumblings are starting that Brown's playing status could be an issue for the Patriots and if they allow him on the field. Some are seeing that if they do allow him on the field this Sunday as a public indictment on their character and maybe even their approach to this case. In your opinion, should they play him? And because it, it really does look like they've been practicing him this week to do just that. He's out there. He saw a pretty prolific catch yesterday from practice, uh, catching it from Tom Brady. So it looks like that's progressing in this situation. In your opinion, should they play him? And should this be something that really comes back to the Patriots' character uh, as an indictment. I think that's a little unfair, but I wanted to get your take on that. Well, first of all, Mike, we actually have some breaking news on this Antonio Brown situation. We're going to actually break some news here on the show because Dan Patrick on his show, this was just picked up by Roto World, is reporting that Antonio Brown will not be placed on the commissioner's exempt list. And that's coming out. Roto World just tweeted it out 1013 I, this morning. And so, yeah, I actually, I'm just seeing that myself. Excellent. Yeah. <laughs> and, and so there you go. A, some breaking news here at Locked On Patriots. But B, I think that gives the Patriots some cover to play him this weekend because if the league had sort of stepped in and said that they were placing on the commissioner exemplist, obviously they couldn't. If the league right. had sort of let it linger, you know, there might be more of a little, you know, groundswell in the direction of, look, you can't play this guy. This is ongoing. You know, you have to take some leadership here as an organization. But now with the league taking the affirmative step, if this report is true from Dan Patrick, that they're not going to place him on the commissioner exemplist, that does give them the, some cover to go ahead and play him. And I think, that a anything the Patriots do is going to be scrutinized. We know that from watching other things unfold, whether it's air pressure in footballs or any other situation with the New England Patriots, there are going to be 
rumblings and murmurs from probably 31 other fan bases that they should have handled it differently. But the fact is, again, this is a civil lawsuit. Players face civil allegations all the time. Humans, individuals, everybody among us has probably faced or could potentially face a civil lawsuit. Because like I said, the standard is so low to file that action. Again, not belittling or diminishing in any way the allegations contained in the civil complaint. Because if they are proven to be true in a court of law, they are serious, they are disturbing, and he should face ramifications as a result, including being suspended for an extended period of time, if not worse. But at the same time, he's entitled to his day in court as well. And until there's sort of a determination of that fact... The league's not going to step in, and I don't think the Patriots as well are entitled to sort of step in and say, look, you can't play. There is one other thing to consider, though, and I know we're going to talk about this game in a sense. Miami's not that good. And so (laughs) if you want to sort of slow roll this situation and say, look, Antonio, you just got in. You didn't practice a ton with Oakland anyway. Now you're learning this new system on the fly. I think we can handle Miami without you. We're going to leave you inactive for this first game. We'll bring you back for week three. That might be a sort of way to sort of quell the firestorm that's probably going to be there anyway with the Patriots. And just say, look, man, we'll see you in week three for the Jets. Let's just slow play this. If they want to go that route, that's fine. But I don't think they're under any sort of pressure or obligation to step in, especially now with this news that the commissioner is not going to put them on the commissioner's exempt list. Yeah, and I'm glad that you mentioned the difference between the two in terms of what will happen if the Patriots do decide to kind of like, and I like the terminology that you used in slow rolling him into the Patriots uh, uh, offense and in in terms of the Patriots game planning, I think that's a wise approach. Uh, Again, it does look like they practiced him in terms of, of getting him ready. But there's always that uh, uh, that chance, and Bill Belichick always has a couple of surprises up his sleeve on Sunday when that inactives list comes out. I think that's exactly when we'll find out. I don't think the Patriots are going to tip their hand beforehand, and it should be interesting. Mark, quickly, uh, well, there is a game to be played this weekend. I know a lot of people are is not there? really, you know, they're not focusing. On, oh, yeah, there actually right. is, believe it or not. Wow. And believe it or not, it's actually going to be in South Beach, the Patriots' quote-unquote house of horrors. What better can we get than on Friday the 13th talking about a Patriots' House of ours, but uh, right. they do play the Dolphins this weekend. Uh, they're coming off of a game in which Tom Brady threw for 341 yards and three touchdowns. The Dolphins are coming off of a game in which they were gashed for 623 yards, 265 on the ground, 378 in the air. In your opinion, is this a perfect storm for the Pats to quote-unquote squish the fish, or could this be tougher than some expect with guys like Brian Flores and Chad O'Shea on the Miami coaching staff? You know, divisional games are always tough to begin with. There's a lot of familiarity between the organizations. You play each other twice a year, so you see a lot of each other. There's obviously an extra element of familiarity this season because, look, Chad O'Shea, Brian Flores, just like you said, Mike, those guys know what the Patriots want to do on both sides of the ball because they've had to practice against it and, you know, sort of, you know, game plan, practice stuff against what those guys were doing on both sides of the ball for the past couple of seasons. So there's that level of familiarity there. There's also the fact that, look, this, this Ravens-Baltimore game, I think, has to be put in a bit of context in that Miami's game plan, Brian Flores' game plan, was we're going to make Lamar Jackson beat us from the pocket. We're going to stack the box. We want to take away the run game. Of course, they gave up, I think, a huge run on the first play from scrimmage, so they didn't do that well either. But that was their game plan. Jackson saw a lot of pressure packages, run blitzes, and a lot of man coverage in the secondary. I don't think Flores is going to do that against Tom Brady. I think they're going to take a different approach and try to keep a lot of stuff in front of them. I think you might see a lot of cover four, a lot of quarters, a lot of too deep, try to like make Tom Brady 
and the offense execute 12, 13, 14 play drives and sort of grind this game out and then on the offensive side of the ball try to really establish the run. But at the same time, you, you put all that together, and yeah, there might be some familiarity. Yeah, there might be some tough sled at the times. You might see some drives that don't end in points. This Patriots offense is built, and Tom Brady is built to execute on 12, 13, 14 play drives. He's got no problem doing that. He's a quarterback that has no problem taking what the defense gives him. And if Flores is going to give him check down routes and routes to the flat and routes underneath to his running backs and to guys like Julian Edelman, Tom Brady's fine to do that. And I don't think Patriots fans have any concern with Tom Brady executing that kind of game plan. And this Patriots defense is built to stop the run. It's built to stop the pass. It's built to stop everything. It's deep at all three levels of the defense. They're going to get Kyle Van Noy back, perhaps their best second-level defender in a big part of their defense last year. Obviously, there was wife giving birth last weekend. And so if they want to try to establish the run, I don't think they'll be that successful. If they want to try to slow Tom Brady down and make him grind out drives, I don't think that's going to really stop them. So I do anticipate them winning this game rather handily. I don't think it's going to be 59-10, to 10, but it feels like one of those Patriots games that's you know, a two-score lead, 14, maybe three, 17-point win that never really feels in doubt. It feels like they have it in control from the jump. Yeah, and I completely do uh, agree with you on that. My final score prediction, which I've been teasing all week, folks, and I'm about to give it, my final score prediction on this one is 28-14. to That may seem a little bit low in terms of what the Patriots are able to put up. may seem a little high in terms of what the Dolphins are able to put up, but I think the Dolphins are going to be motivated to come out a little stronger this time around. I think that we'll be able to get two scores on this team, uh, but I think that the Patriots will uh, end up doubling them up in the end. Uh, And Mark, uh, I don't want to put you on the, uh, the hot seat in terms of giving a final score prediction, but I do thank you for allowing uh, you know us to uh, hear your thoughts on the team and what's going to happen this Sunday, because like we said, there is still a game to be played, and you know Bill Belichick and the coaching staff are going to be doing everything to make sure that the team remains focused on that. Mark, I can't thank you enough for coming on today, for joining me again. Uh, in a lot of ways, anyone that follows this show, follows me on social media, knows that I am obsessed with the movie The Godfather and Part 2. Uh, in a way, I kind of feel like Frank Pentangeli this morning, uh, welcoming back Michael Colleone to his own house, even though he's got his new furniture, he's got everything in there. In a lot of ways, uh, even though I'm trying to make this house my own, uh, in a lot of ways, it'll always be yours. So uh, thank you again, my friend, and uh, it's always an honor to speak with you quickly uh where can uh, our listeners uh find you on social media if they don't know already and continue to follow the amaz- the amazing work that you've been doing well mike thanks again so much for having me on it was an honor to be back here and like i said look you've done fantastic work already with locked on patriots i love the way you've taken this show and made it your own and i'm, I'm incredibly happy for you. you've been doing such great work if people want to follow Thank along you. with the hijinks for me on twitter at Mark Schofield, I keep it nice and easy, just my name, at Mark Schofield. Right for places like Inside the Pylon, Pro Football Weekly, Matt Waldman's Rookie Scouting Portfolio, a couple of different SB Nation websites. And I've got two different podcasts over at SB Nation. We've got the Sco Show, which is on Pat's Pulpit, three days a week. And then the QB Sco Show is part of Bleeding Green Nation with Michael J. Kiss, where we talk all quarterback stuff with an eagle slant to that one. That comes out usually Wednesday or Thursday of each week. But again, easiest way to find me, at Mark Schofield on Twitter. And everything the man does, folks, I recommend anything and everything. Follow it all, read it all, uh, absorb it all, because it is truly some of the best that you'll find across any platform in any walk of life. 
Um, again, I thank Mark Schofield for joining me today. As for me, I will be back on Monday to recap the Sunday's Pats Fins matchup in South Beach, break it all down for you. And as the week progresses, I will start to look ahead to the Pats Week 3 matchup with the New York Jets in Foxborough. And I'll be speaking with some special guests along the way, so stay tuned for that. As always, make sure to join me each and every day on the Locked On Patriots podcast and subscribe to Locked On Patriots via your preferred podcast provider. Once again, I'm Mike DeBate. Thanks again to Mark Schofield for his time and insight today. But most of all, I thank you all so much for listening today and all week long. Have a great weekend, everybody, and enjoy the game on Sunday.